hymns, don't you? You know, some of those songs, when you hear the story behind them, oh, it's incredible. Where is Kelsey at? Kelsey? Yeah, but she was going to come in. Is she out there in the hallway? Here she comes. Let's hear it for Kelsey. Woo! You know, God's word is very clear on showing honor to whom honor is due. And we wanted to take a moment this morning to do just that. There is a tremendous amount of unsung heroes that go into making all of this work for us. There are people behind the scenes that you do not see, projector people, sound people, and people beyond the walls in other rooms. We do not see them, but they are doing an incredible job. Amen? So, Kelsey? Hello. Good morning. So, yes, I have been wanting to do this like all month, but there's always something getting in the way. So, today's the day. So, hopefully, I have the majority of all of my helpers I don't know how to say it, but I'm just going to try. <laughs> it's huge to give up some time when you're really looking forward to going to church and tucking your way somewhere with kids for an hour and a half. But when you're faithful at it and you come regardless, it just makes these kids, and there's not very many today, but it always fluctuates. <laughs> But these kids are getting seeds sown into them. So for those who might not know how to sow the seeds at home, we're able to do a little bit of that once a week. So for all those that are coming and helping to do that, I want to honor you today. So I want to call up, if you're not here, obviously you can't be here. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go for my helpers. I have, are the Annalise and Deanne here, or... Excuse me, Danielle here. Are they here at the moment? Come on up, girls. Woo! Woo, woo, woo! These girls just are so sweet, and they're great helpers, and they're like the next generation of our possible teachers. Yes, yes. They might be finding their niche of kids or something. So I just wanted to give you guys a little something. Thank you so much. Okay. Avery, can you grab Avery? Well, I'll give Avery's later, but Avery's in the back. She's got her, her leg hurt, and um, I have a little thing for her, so I'll give it to you when I get back there. Hannah's not here. Who else do I have? Allison Scott. I want Allison Scott to come up here. <clears throat> Karen Perry's not here. Is Shay here? If Shay's here, come on up. If she's not, I'll give it to her later. Thank you, Allison. She's a great helper when we need her. She's not all the time, but she does help. Um, let's see. I've got Kimberly. Kimberly. Woo! This girl. <laughs> yes, she has responded, and I so appreciate you. Thank you so much. Okay, who else do I have? Deanne Hayes. Come on up here. Deanne's helped in the nursery when I needed her most. 
Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So, hey, any kind of response to the call is super awesome, and I just want to honor that. Um, Sandy. Sandy Thomas. <laughs> this is my backbone. <laughs> my backbone for keeping it moving. Thank you. Okay. Okay, Kim Piotr is not here. She's out of town, and Margie's not here. There's some teachers. Teresa. Woo! Teresa has been amazing. She's one of the kids' favorites. Thank you. And she helps us in youth. Her and Greg are huge, um, huge leaders with us in the youth, so I appreciate you guys. David and Kaylee, Scott, come on up here. You guys are rock stars. Woo! Dave, thank you. Kaylee, okay, I just have to brag on this girl a little bit. <laughs> She's a rock star when it comes to kids. She's so creative and has so much energy. Woo! And she is amazing. Thank you. Okay. Um, John is not here and Brittany's not here, but Tony, are you up in the box, Tony? Tony's right Woo! here. Yay! Thank you. Tony's been awesome. And I want to just say, having um, male influence in that program is huge. So it's not limited to women, okay? If you guys have a heart for kids, men, if you have a heart to teach, to love on these kids, like, we need you. So give me a holler, okay? I want to hear from the men. Um, and so some of my upcoming people that have stepped in is Rebecca Moran and Reagan. You guys get to come up here together. Our new and upcoming rock stars. You guys get to share a bag because I ran out. They are going to be taking on the pre-K um, once a month, and so they're going to be a team. So if you have a daughter or son and you want to bring them in, as long as they're you know of age to help, um, I would say middle school and up. That would be amazing. Um, who else do I have? I think that's it. There's a lot of people that aren't here today, and that's okay. But I just want to say um, thank you for a wonderful year. I think we've had a really good time. Jolene. Jolene. Oh. Thank you. Okay. And loves those kids. And she gets on her hands and knees with these kids. And she's in there playing with them. And that's just really... That's the biggest part of it, is just getting on their level. So it's not always what you have to say or what you have, you know, as a, a talent or whatever. It's just being relatable to the kids. So we all love you guys so much. And I just want to extend again just a huge thank you to all of you who have helped. And I am still in need of helpers. I do not have a teacher for third and fourth week for pre-K. And I do not have anybody to help me in the nursery third and fourth week as well. And we have kids coming for nursery now. So if that's something that you guys would like to do, come and seek me after service, okay? Or shoot me a text or find out how to get a hold of me. Thank you so much. Oh my. Let's hear it for Kelsey. <clears throat> I'll tell you, whenever anyone ever asks me to watch preschool and nursery-sized kids, I get the deer-in-the-headlight look. But there are those who step up and just go, I got this. 
And thank you for serving. Thank you for helping. Again, there are so many unsung heroes in this church, and we just thank you for that. That's what helps us keep rolling. And, and as we grow uh, into the future, we're going to need more help, you know. So, man, step up and swing for the fences. Amen? Hey, this morning, I want to share something. Um, if you would turn with me to 1 Samuel and hover around chapter 27, 28 and 29. So just kind of hover there. Um, don't you just love the Word of God? Don't you just love the stories that are in the Word of God? Heidi Baker said something I thought was interesting because some people, when I, when I tell them, they say, where do, you, where do you get your stuff at? Where do you get your information? Where do you get your sermon notes? <clears throat> I just say, well, typically I go to the Word. And they kind of give you a funny look. And Heidi Baker says, what some call nuts, other, others call protein. Yeah, I think that's a great word. But um, today I want to share something on my heart. I, I, first of all, I wanted to sh- just thank all of the, those that have stepped up and shared in the past um, Man, Steve Montgomery, thank you so much. You did a fantastic job. Cyril, um, it's just fun having extra voices and perspectives come out of this congregation. Amen? I I love that. And uh, as we move into the future, we're going to see that continue. I don't think it should just be one voice. I love the multiple perspectives as we move forward into the future. But uh, one thing that I'm convinced of is that we are in a really really strange and wonky season. And none of us have ever been here before. Have we? I mean, if you have, talk to me because I need some insight. But uh, a lot of us have had to deal with some sudden and shocking changes that uh, have been brought on by this season. And still, there are some who have gone through things where they have lost almost everything, if not everything. You know, my... My sister-in-law lost her husband, which was my younger brother, and just a few weeks ago. And it was, she, he was her world. And, and, and I'm not saying she worshipped her husband, but, but I think you know what I mean. And she's dealing and wrestling with all of these sudden changes in her life. And she's in this moment where she feels as if she has lost everything. And I want to talk about this morning, I want to talk about loss You know, David in the Bible, if you go all the way back to to the Old Testament, you find this little character, he was a little shepherd boy in the field. You guys, most of you know who I'm talking about. His name was David, and he was anointed to be the next king of Israel. And there was a moment in his life that we're going to talk about for a moment where he lost absolutely everything. Everything he lost. And in that moment, he spoke 10 words depends on the translation, spoke 10 words that tells us what we need to be doing in this moment. So for some context, I want to go back to 1 Samuel. And, and I'm, you guys can hover in 1 Samuel if you want. I'm going to just kind of skim over some of this just for time's sake, but I'll bring out the highlights. David is, has been wrestling with Saul. He's been running and fighting, and he's just, he's just done. You ever had that moment where you just feel like, I'm just done? I'm tired of all this. I'm just done. And David thought to himself, 1 Samuel chapter 27, verse 1. But David thought to himself, one of these days I will be destroyed by the hand of Saul. 
The best thing I can do is escape into the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up chasing me, and life will get a little bit better, I hope. And, 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 and we're going to find ourselves here in a moment where David is among the Philistines because he was discouraged, and he had left the people of God, and he had cast his lots with the Philistines. Interesting. He had just taken Goliath out several chapters before that. And now he's in lots with the Philistines. And so David and his 600 men, they defect. They, they, they go in and they hook up with the Philistines. And when Saul had heard that, he no longer pursued David. And that's in this story. And uh, David hooked up with this prince or king, uh, Achish. And he said, hey, King Achish, if I have found favor in your eyes, I'm here to help you. I want to serve you. He says, hey, if I found favor in your eyes, let a place be assigned to me in one of your country towns that I may live there. Why should your servant live in the royal city with you? So David put himself as a servant of King Achish. <clears throat> King Achish. So David's in this place where He's just starting to slide off the page, so to speak. You know, we always read about the exploits of David and all the cool things, but it's the story behind the story and sometimes in between that we forget and we, we go over really fast and we, we, we speed ahead and, and we don't know or understand how he got into this situation. But here we have this situation where Asia, uh, King Asius, he goes, hey, I'm going to give you Ziglag. So that's how David came to be uh, and have the city of a uh, Ziglag, okay? So David was given this city in the land of the Philistines called Ziglag. So David, from that city, David would go out and do these raids, but he would always go out and he would raid the ones that he didn't tell King Asius. Why can't they just be like King Bob or Saul? <clears throat> and, and he went out and he would, the king would, this king would come to him, Asius, and he would say, so where have you been raiding today? And David's like, well, we went here, we went there. That's not what he was doing. David really was out raiding those things that Joshua should have cleaned up, that God said, take care of the land, we want you to purge this from the land. I think David was cleaning up some of that stuff because he would kill. This is so weird and wonky that a man after God's own heart would go in, would raid a city, and he would kill everyone in the city. He would take no one hostage. He did not want anyone to be able to say, David was here. David's men were here. So they took everybody out, and then they took all of, their, all of their stuff and brought it back and just grew in possessions and stuff in their own city. Pretty brutal time. But let's move forward. We have this moment when the Philistines had all gathered together their armies, and they intended to deliver this death blow to Israel. So in that moment, they have the kings are standing there, and all the troops are starting to parade in front of them. And David brings up the rear. It just blows my mind that David is in the camp of the very ones that wanted to kill his people. But he was so distraught that his mind must have had, had to have been somewhere else down the road. So David now finds, him place, he finds himself in this place, I think, that he never thought he would be in. He's among the ungodly. And he's ready to fight against God's people. Because he's parading with the troops. Saying, we're with you. We're going to go in and help you. But even the Philistine leaders could see what David was blind to. 
They knew that David didn't belong here. David started to think and to act like a Philistine. And he was ready to fight. And he was ready to go up against the people of God. What was he thinking? Even the Philistine leaders could see this wasn't right. When a moment when David couldn't. Because here's what happened. David is going along with these troops. They're bringing up the rear. And the kings go, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Why is David here? Why is David in this lot to go against his people? Surely this is a trick. David's going David's to turn himself against us and join Saul. So Saul will find favor with him and he can return to the kingdom. This is a trick. And Asius, he defends David, says, no, David is like a servant to me. He'll be a servant to me for the rest of my life. I've got this guy in my hand. And there was so much protest that they decided just to look at David and say, you know, appreciate it, but you need to go home, pack up and go. Get your men out of here and go back to your city. You know, David, I don't think, would have ever slipped into this place if he had remembered who he really was and what his destiny was. You know, Kenneth Holder last week talked about destiny. All of us have been given a destiny. But when the weirdness of life comes and traumatic things happen, we can be so taken back and off, caught off guard and we go to this place of despair that we forget that calling of who we are. And we forget that God has a plan and a purpose for every one of our lives. How many of you find yourself in this moment right now? You're just kind of, yeah, you're just kind of, whoa, this is, whoa, I don't know. And, and, and you have to be reminded of who you are. But this is all of this is about to change for David. So, verse Samuel 30. Turn with me if you would. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 3. So David, he, go, he goes packing. I'm sure he was really bummed. Like, man, I've really fought hard for you guys. And you're sending me home? Man, I wanted to kick some hiney on these guys that just threw me out of the kingdom. I'm angry with those guys. We don't know that, but that could have been what was processing through his mind. But David sent packing. No, you go home. Go back to Ziglag. Take your men with you. Just, you're not in this. Go. So it says, so David and his men came to the city, and it was burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and they wept until they had no more power to weep. How many of you have ever cried your heart out and you felt there was nothing left in you to cry anymore? That is despair. And they had, they had hit the bottom. They were so filled with despair. They were so distraught that his own men decided, you know what? Let's kill this guy. This isn't working. And they decided that they were going to stone David. They were to kill him and take him out. They were that angry. Then in verse 6, it tells us that even David had lost everything. And again, it reiterates that his men were ready to stone him. But then David did something remarkable. And we've all heard this part before. It says that David strengthened or encouraged himself in the Lord. It's as if David had a suddenly, the lights go on. And I think what happened to David in this suddenly where the Spirit of God came upon him was at this point of total loss, David now saw the love of the Lord in the rejection of the Philistine leaders. 
Think about that. If God had not sent him back home through the rejection of the Philistines, it would have been months and months and months before he made it back. He had no idea that the city had burned, but he would have been gone a long, long time. So God, in his love, David experiences tremendous rejection, and he goes home, and he finally has this epiphany that, wow, God, you love me enough to bring me home, to do something about this. David perhaps could remember God's promise and calling on his life. You know, maybe he sat down and had a soul talk. We've talked about that before. Maybe he shook his head, he cleared the cobwebs away, and he said, man, I am anointed by God. I have been called by God. And I was promised by God to be the next king of Israel. And I have a high calling from God, and he hasn't taken it away. And you know what? I need to start living according to that destiny. Every one of you have a call on your life. You're not here to just be a spectator. You're here to be a participant. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He created you to glorify him in some form or fashion. I think David could also remember, and I love what Elizabeth did this morning about testimonies. I think that David remembered those testimonies. And you know, the word testimony simply means duplicate or repeat. And I think he could say, you know, yes, this is a terrible spot, no doubt. This really is not to my liking, and I don't like this at all. But I can remember the times when the Lord delivered me out of the bad spots that I had in my past. Man, God, you delivered me from the mouth of the lion. You took care of me in this situation, in that situation. I was chased all over the country by Saul, and you delivered me every time. Do you guys remember those moments? Stop and just think about those for a moment. When God came and he supernaturally intervened and he rescued you from something. You know, if he did it then... That's part of the testimony. He'll do it again and he'll do it now, David must have thought. And you know, if he didn't deliver me before to let me perish now, and I'm telling every one of you, as wonky and as funky as this moment is for a lot of us, God didn't create us to destroy us at this moment. He created us for such a time as this to stand tall and to push back and go back and take what the enemy has stolen from us. Amen? Charles Spurgeon, I love this. He says, some of the best talks in the world are those which a man has with himself. But he goes on to say, he who speaks to everybody but himself is a great fool. Man, it's time to sit down and talk to Jesus and just say, you know, Father, I do remember. I do remember those words that were spoken over my life. I do remember how your goodness and your graciousness and your kindness delivered me from so many situations in my life. I'm so thankful, Father. That will reignite your heart. You know, as, as amazing as all of this was, David's ability to strengthen himself in the Lord, it's what he did next, which we don't really read about much or talk about. It's what he did next that's even more amazing. <clears throat> you know, and to get anything out of the words that we're going to share next, you have to understand the utter despair that David had to have been in before he spoke them. Remember, David had been anointed king. 
He was a man who had this incredible prophetic word spoken over him that he would be king. But in an instant, he became the poorest man on the planet. But that was about to change. <clears throat> Turn with me to 1 Samuel 30, verse 8. Here are the ten words. Now, this is out of the NIV. That's why I say ten words. The following ten words are perhaps the greatest words that David ever spoke. And David glorified God in these words like he had never glorified God before. It says, and David inquired of the Lord. He went and got the priest, got the ephod. Wow, that's a whole mysterious thing. Ephod, you're a thumb, all that stuff. But they inquired of the Lord. And he said, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Stop. David inquired of the Lord. Shall I, over, shall I pursue this raiding party, Father? Will I overtake them? Now, we cannot overlook the simplicity of David's words here. David glorified God in what he did not say as much as in what he did say. Even though he felt rage, even though he felt tremendous grief in his heart, oh, he did not, nor did he ever insult God's character in this moment. He did not rail against his circumstances. He did not sin with his mouth. There was no, why, why, God, did you let this happen to me? He didn't say that. Or how can I trust you, God, to even take care of my family? What's wrong with you? Have you ever found yourself on the edge of the why and the what's of those questions? Don't raise your hands. I think we all have been there. But David was really practicing what he preached. In Psalms 19.9, he says, the fear of the Lord is clean. That awe and, and that adoration and understanding that God is everything. He understood that. He said, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Guys, it's time for us to stop wasting valuable time dwelling on the disastrous effects of this season and what it's done to our lives. It's time for us to begin to focus on something else. Amen? How many of you are hearing that? You feel like your eyes are turning away from all this, uh, and you're looking at something new. David didn't torture himself by dwelling on why it had gotten so bad all around him. He knew and he understood the goodness and the mercy and the wisdom of God. He didn't even ask for comfort. Father, will you just make this easy for me? No, he didn't. Man, I, I wished I could have been there and seen this moment for David when he inquires of the Lord. David knew that he needed to ask for something else. And you know, can you guess what that was? He asked for direction. He needed direction. How many of you feel like you're at this crossroad in your life where you really do need some direction from the Lord? You need to be pointed in a direction. Honestly, how many? Yeah, okay. You know, somehow I believe that God is about to reveal to us a direction. And I believe that this direction will launch us into a harvest of souls like we've never known before. 
if we will listen to the voice of the Lord. If we listen and we turn towards his voice, we put one foot in front of the other, we're gonna find ourselves in a moment that suddenly where we're standing in the middle or in the midst of what God has called us to. And that's for you personally as well. You know, I believe that there is a dam that is about to open, burst open, and when it does, we're gonna move out with all the force of this incredible pent-up zeal and fire in our bones. I feel it stirring in people's hearts. That's part of the journey, I think, of frustration. You're just like, and then it opens. You know, in the natural, I get it. It it, it does, this moment that we're in, as wonky as it is, does seem, and, and if you take your eyes off Jesus, it can seem like a terrifying moment. I mean, cities are shutting down, if not have shut down, locked down. Businesses are being destroyed. We have people who are dying. It's, it's a real deal. It's a reality that we're looking with. But still, nothing could be worse than standing here wringing our hands or hook and wallowing in some vain imagination about why this happened and, and, and what's going to happen next. Don't be that person standing, oh, oh. I think the Holy Spirit is waiting to give us our marching orders. And I think he wants to give us wisdom, the wisdom that's necessary to, to not only stay safe, but to, to exploit this crisis for the glory of God. L- let, me, let me just get personal as, a, as, as one of the lead pastors here. We're in this moment right now as a church. This pandemic has caused some people to move on. It's caused other new people to come. I'm excited about that. But, you know, we're looking to God for the future. We're looking for direction. We don't want to just stay in the old wineskin because I have this feeling that God is about to pour out a fresh new wine. And it's going to take new wineskins to contain it. And that means some of us are going to have to change the way we think. You know, when I hear someone say, we never did it that way before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's time to think of something new. I went to a pastor's prayer retreat on Monday with uh, Church of the Valley pastors, and there was a lot of new young pastors there, and it was so exciting because God just gave me this revelation of new wine, new perspectives, the zeal and the fire these guys have. I was like, yeah, bring it. We are sending some of our leaders up to a conference to spy out the land, I'll just say it, Um, uh, just to see, you know, we're looking at this group, it's a coalition of churches that have a like heart and a like mind to see Jesus made famous and to see revival run through the land, and they're passionate about it. I'm not saying we're leaving the vineyard, I'm just saying we're going to go see what they're doing too, because we want to rub elbows with like-minded, like-hearted people. That excites my heart. Direction, new direction is coming. So here's David. God answered that moment. Shall I go after them? Shall I pursue them? Will I overtake them? And God said, pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. That was all David needed. That was all he needed was that word from the Lord to just go out and begin your attack. He didn't know how it was all going to unfold and happen. He just knew that God was going to make it happen. 
And, and, and he did not let his men slow him down. In fact, it says he ordered them, get up. We're going to go fight. We're going to go get our families back. We're going to go get our stuff back from the enemy that stole it from us. And I think that when David, when his men saw David rise up, it reminded them of all the past victories that, that came from following David. They did some crazy, crazy things, man. And I think they were suddenly reminded of those moments from the past of when, whoo, this guy delivered. Let's follow him. I think David stood tall and he looked at them and I think he gave them a look that spoke volumes. It said in essence, hey guys, do you want to just kill me now, stone me? Or do you want to go and get your wives and kids back? Let's go get this done. And it says that they rode and they followed David. They pursued the enemy. They miraculously found them and they got everything back that the enemy had stolen and more. Who's ready to ride that horse? You know, you need to ask yourself, sit down, have that soul talk, whatever that looks like, and sit down. Guys, do you want to sit here and be paralyzed by fear? Or, or do you want to get up and follow God into a total restoration of everything that the enemy has stolen from you? That's my heart. You know, this is what Paul said. I loved it. You know, when we look at the situation and circumstances around us, we can get all sideways and think, oh, this is so the enemy. But here's what Paul said. In 1 Philippians, or in, yeah, 1 Philippians 12 through 14, I'm going to just go quick here. He says, I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment here had the opposite effect of its intended effect. Instead of being squelched, the message is actually prospered. Is this moment we're in, Mario Marilla would say it's a, it's a crisis by design. You know, I have missionary friends that spent a lot of time in China and stuff, and they just said the greatest thing that ever happened to the church there was communism. That sounds weird and wonky to me, but when you think it through, it really weeded it out, didn't it? He told a story of this group that would meet faithfully down in this is a basement or a bunker or something. And one day there's a big old bang and a knock on the door. And a bunch of soldiers come running down with rifles. And they said, if you're a Christian in here and you don't want to get shot for your faith, you better leave now. But the remnant stayed. The soldiers shut the door and the commanding officer said, good. I wanted to worship with real believers. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <clears throat> No, I'm not advocating communism. Please don't hear that. I'm just saying, if this crisis is by design, don't you want to be where God wants you to be? And it's only through inquiring of him where to stand, how to position ourselves, are we going to come out in the right place? So, I think, and just kind of wrapping this up, I think we should really be following David's example. And if we do, I think there's two things that'll happen. We'll get direction, and it'll come with a promise. We'll learn how to, on this journey, we'll learn how to suppress fear and confusion, and we'll have no doubt that God is with us, and that God is with our loved ones, and that God's heart is to protect us and to provide for us. I think, I think you'll come to a point, maybe some of you are already there, you're realizing that, that God has been secretly undergoing this surgery in your heart to prepare you for such a time as this.
How many of you have felt that? I've seen some of you going through some pains and stuff in your life, and, and I know it, it's God. He's, he's purging, he's cleaning, he's purifying your heart because he wants to bring you to this place that you know that you know that you know that you are prepared for such a time as this. And you're going to rise up in your circle of influence, and you're going to speak those God answers that people need to hear. Amen? I think, I think you know, expect in the weeks to come uh, downloads from God's heart, revelations, dreams, and in that, expect to know exactly what you're supposed to do, strategies and plans of actions. All of this is going to come forward, I believe, for us who are following after God, saying, God, I want to take back what the enemy's stolen, and God will give you strategies and plans and dreams and downloads of just how to do this. I'm convinced that this virus will pass. They may try to put something on the other side. That's the enemy. But the damage that you and I will live with if we give in to fear and hesitation will not go away. I don't want to give in to the fear. And I don't want to give in to that hesitation. I want to just say, God, if you said pursue him, let's go. You know, are you going to be one of those that look back on this moment for the rest of your life and you're going to thank God that you didn't give in to fear? You're going to thank Father that you didn't give in to fear and disobey the deep work of the Holy Spirit or what God wanted you to do in this moment because you have a calling on your life again. God has a plan. He has a purpose for every one of your lives. And that is, in a nutshell, to bring glory to him. How you do that and what that looks like is totally you and how God wired you. But every one of you were created for such a time as this to bring glory and, 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 and honor to God the Father in and through your life. You know, all it took in David's case was 10 simple words, and an impossible situation turned into an epic victory. Guys, I'm telling you, we're in this moment. I'm going to close with this. Do not, do not believe everything that you're seeing. Walk by faith, not by sight. If you focus on everything you're seeing, you're going to get spun out. But if you're walking by faith, trusting God, you're seeking God, He's going to give you the answers and the lens that you need to look at the world through. We have a family here at the school that I love this story. You know, we're hearing a lot about, you know, the people with COVID and, and the ventilators and just all the struggles. And, 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 and truly, there are people who have, who have died. We know that. But this family in our school, she, she had been pretty distraught because her father had had reached this point in COVID where he was 100% oxygen. He was at the end, and he looked at her, and he said, they were in this position at the hospital where it's this, um, I guess, end-of-life treatment or something. You're allowed to, your family's allowed to come around. It was that moment, hospice kind of stuff. And, and the dad looked up at him, and I think now the father had been a pastor for years. He retired. He looked up at him. He said, I'm done. I'm done. Either God's going to heal me, or he's just going to take me home, unplug me. Are you sure, Dad? Yep, I'm trusting God for a miracle. So they were trusting God for a miracle too. They unplugged Dad. The nurse said, look, this will probably won't take too long. They left the room. She said, we fell asleep. We just praying and we fell asleep. And, and she said, all of a sudden, about four hours later, I hear a cough and I wake up. And I thought, that's my dad. 
She said, I jumped up, and there's my dad kind of sitting up on the side of the bed. Dad, are you okay? And at first, he's a little groggy, like, where am I? Where am I? Then he's like, she's, Dad, are you okay? He goes, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. The nurse walked in about that moment, just went, and turned around and walked right back out. She said about 10 minutes later, a doctor come kind of trotting in like, oh, he had no answer. He kind of said, you know, this is, I, 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 I don't know what box to put it in other than miraculous. Now, we'll, we'll send him home because dad said, get me out of here. I want to go home. So they sent him home. And, and they said, we'll send hospice to care. And, and, and the daughter's like, that's fine. They can do dishes or whatever, you know. <laughs> but this was the other day. And she came in yesterday or day before. And she came in on Friday and she said, he's still doing good. I want to believe that for Ernie. I'm telling you, Ernie is a fighter. There's a spunk in that guy. He's the only guy I know that will get up in a restaurant. Hey, will you turn the music down? We're talking. It's too loud over here. I mean, and I want to see that spunk in him, that, that, that drive in him, cause him to rise up too and to walk out of there healed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand. Father, we have so much to be thankful for. Mm. Father, we want to take a moment, just lift Ernie up to you. And others, I don't know everybody's story in here, but others that have been affected by this ugly, ugly disease, whatever it is, God. And we just, we just speak life. We ask, God, that as it is in heaven, let it be here on earth, in them and through them, that your presence, God, right now would invade their rooms. Father, we pray that you would go into Ernie's hospital room right now and you would touch him. Oh, you would bring the thunder, God. You would radically heal his lungs in the name of Jesus. Wow. We curse. We curse this COVID-19. We say it's illegal for you to be here. And we say, go in Jesus' name. Wow. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Father, I just pray for all of us that if we go to, the, go to that secret place, wherever it is that we go, personally, God, that in that place, mm, Father, you would give us direction. And Father, if need be, a little correction, but you would realign our hearts with yours and you would point us in the way that you want us to go for you, to make you famous and to glorify you and your name, God. Wow. And we just thank you, and we all said amen. Wow. Well, God bless you guys. You have a glorious day. And uh, please help with the chairs if you can, and that would be awesome.